Hey, it's Al Bat. How you doing, Al? Hey, Karen. Hi, everyone. I'm doing great. I, I had a, a, a friend, I still have him, I think, uh, who was a professional child. And oh. boy, I'm not, I don't mean to pick on drummers in a band, but he was a drummer in a band and lived in his uh, parents' basement for pretty much ever. And then one day he, he grew up and, you know, went off and got a job and done well but he made a real effort at being a professional child and um but you know we used to kind of kid him about it and uh, we were probably envious in in mm-hmm. some ways because he was right <laughs> oh no and he seemed to love what he did and he was in a lot of bands and was a good drummer and uh, you know of course all the jokes are about drummers living in the <laughs> their parents basements and in this case it was true it was, uh, it was true yeah hey before i forget i better thank the golden kiwanis of albert lee lunch lotto freeborn county township officers association park avenue authors and the northwood public library for putting up with me i appreciate it, it was nice to talk to y'all i i was coming through janesville the other day and i wanted to applaud but i was right Oh, sorry. I wanted to, that's all right. I I wanted to applaud as I went through Janesville, but I was driving as I watched a long twisting line of blackbirds flying past a double rainbow on my way home from a church where I'd done readings at a funeral. And uh, the deceased wife, uh, he had six daughters and a wife, so there was uh, there were a lot of tears. And the deceased wife hugged me and said she and her husband had been arguing over the identification of a woodpecker and a finch, <laughs> red-headed or red-bellied, house or purple. And we each had said, if Al was here, he'd know. And then she paused Aww. before adding and hugging me again and said, thank you for being here today. So, uh, Ruby-throated hummingbirds, somebody uh, just kind of in passing today said, I don't see them, but do they travel in flocks? Should I be seeing flocks of little tiny hummingbirds flying along? In a, be like a swarm of bees or something. And, you know, it's amazing. Each bird follows its instincts as to departure dates and routes. Uh, would they follow some of the same? Yeah, well, of course they would. But they're not really what we would think of going in a, a flock. They're just all on their own, and away they go. These little ones that are new to the world are headed down there. I uh, smelled a skunk yesterday, and it smelled <laughs> as if it wanted to be left alone. Multicolored lady beetles and minute pirate bugs. Uh, sampled Al Bat to see if he was eating, worth eating. Hey, they Al, are, not, are those, because yeah. I, re- I was out doing some work this weekend, and I swear there was something on my ankles, and I was trying to figure out what in the world is biting my ankles, and I couldn't see anything. Are they the real small things? Because I kept looking, and I finally put some deed on, and that helped, but what what are they? Lo- what do they look like? They are uh, minute pirate bugs. Oh. Uh, some people call them insidious flower bugs there's a slight difference i believe between the two but they are most often called no seams around here they're little black fellas that have kind of an x on their back and they're they're real hard to see but oh oh, man they bite way Mm -hmm. out of their weight class it just it really hurts and they are an interesting thing about these guys is both of them are predators the, the Both multicolored Asian lady beetles 
and minute pirate bugs are predators of soybean aphids. So when it comes this time of year, the soybeans are going out of the fields, lickety-split. So these guys come out, and they're just uh, looking for a looking for a home, I guess. And when they light on me, they seem to want to bite me. Uh, I can't complain a lot. I've not been stung by a wasp. Uh, yellow jackets are hangry at this time of the year. Their, uh, their home is pretty much going away, and the queen doesn't love them anymore, and it's just their food is disappearing. So they're in a foul mood, so they <laughs> like to come out, and, oh, they love sweets. So they will come to our picnics, and uh, they don't want, if they log on to a donut, they do not want anybody taking that donut from them. So they can be a little surly, and we all have a relative like that that's the same way around jelly donuts. This uh, summer, they were pretty well-behaved pollinators and beneficial predators. And with these three critters out there, I have to say once more, I like box elder bugs. They're beautiful, and they don't bite. And I know a lot of people are kind of creeped out about them, but, man, they just they don't bother me at all. And um, they seldom light on me. They certainly will on occasion, but they, they don't bite or do anything bad, so I like having them around. I looked at the old farmer's almanac. I looked at the, the farmer's almanac a while ago, but old farmer's almanac says snowfall, and they lump us in. With, this is for the Midwest. We're all kind of put together like a big snowball. They said snowfall will be above normal, so we'll need to keep a shovel at the ready early. So I know uh, most of us have been out there polishing the shovel uh, recently. So snow will arrive beginning in November with storms, showers, and flurries continuing through the start of spring. Along with above normal snow, we'll see normal to colder than normal temperatures. So in other words, to sum it up in four words for us, cold, snowy, and normal. Uh, A lady told me she has earwigs in her basement and was wondering why she thought earwigs were uh, an insect that liked moist places. What are they doing in the basement? And she just thought there wouldn't be many of them this year. I guess the answer to, you're right about all those things. They like moisture, but they're capable of drowning. So during a rainy season, remember those folks, rainy seasons, earwigs would attempt to enter our homes to get away from the rising water. But because they like moisture, they might enter our homes when things get too dry outside. So in a drought, it's not uncommon to find earwigs in our basements. Do you know where I find a lot of earwigs, Al? In a plant, I would guess. Oh my gosh, when you pick the dahlias, I've got a lot of dahlias, and you know they have so many petals that are so tightly packed. You pick them, and then you bring them in, and all of a sudden your counter's covered in these danged old earwigs. And I I don't like it, so I try and shake them off before I bring them in, but they do like hiding in those crevices. Yeah, they get right down in (laughs) a lot of the blossoms of plants or or tight leaves and just kind of hide down in there. Mm -hmm. And they have this pincher on on their rear end that looks like uh, oh it could do great damage so they are interesting insects <laughs> i thought the pinchers were their head is that their rear end seriously that's their rear end oh my yeah. goodness 
<laughs> Here I was yeah. look, thought I was looking them in the eye. I was looking them in the rear. <laughs> See, when you're talking to them and telling them to get out of there, they're saying, "Why is this woman talking to my rear end? I don't, I don't like her. Yeah, it's just I'm going to come in the house now with her because she's Dramatic. just talking to the wrong end of me. Uh, they have no venom. I would add, uh, they're not poisonous, well, either venomous or poisonous. And so they uh, they really aren't. They could these forceps, but they don't they pinch us, do they? Isn't it mainly that for the plants? Because I guess I don't recall ever being pinched by one. I don't think. No, they uh, they could. Oh, I suppose they could grasp onto a finger if agitated with that. But you know, it's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you at all. It'd be kind of cool. And I don't know why, and maybe somebody has made earrings out of uh, earring of earwigs. I just think that would be a wonderful <laughs> thing to have. They wouldn't have to be actual earwigs, although that would be pretty cool too. Right. So I think uh, oh. I think they would be wonderful. Those things. <laughs> uh, Jerry Victoria of Allendale. You know, we're always talking. I was just talking about the old farmers' almanac, and it's we like hearing what weather might be. Even if it doesn't become what they say it's going to be, we still like hearing about it. And Jerry Victor of Allendale told me that his uncle said that the first three days of a season forecast the rest of the season. So the first three days of fall, that's what the rest of fall is going to be like. First three days of winter, that's what the rest of winter is going to be like. So he would mark it down every year, and Jerry said he was he was ready a lot. So. Um, we miss Gail Christensen. I shouldn't say we. I miss Gail. I had it written down, and I don't know. You know, it was like Lake Wobegon. It was in the fold of the paper, <laughs> and I, I missed it. That's my excuse. And Gail, I apologize for that. Gail said, we live in a rural subdivision south of Mankato and have a pond next to our road. We had a beautiful pair of swans in the pond that we watched. Early the, earlier this summer, we were delighted when we saw them out with five little cygnets. One day, three of the babies disappeared. The remaining young ones are getting big, almost to the size of adults, and are turning from gray to white. Now, as of this week, there's only one baby. It's heartbreaking. What do you suppose is getting them? Uh, thank you, Gail. Uh, during the first few months, when cygnets are small, the main predators are mink, uh, coyotes, bald eagles, great horned owls, and snapping turtles would probably be the <clears throat> the main things that, that might get them. Larger cygnets and swans may be attacked and killed by coyotes, otters. Uh, for folks that have bobcats in their area, they would certainly be one. Eagles and dogs. Dogs can certainly do them damage. And then, of course, we have to take credit to humans. Uh, we do some goofy things sometimes. And on average, <coughs> about 50% of cygnets may not survive the first three months after hatching due to predation, and another 25% of swans may perish before they're three years of age. Uh, however, once they make it past that first three years, Gail, they're likely to live many years. And I'm sorry I can't tell you exactly what's getting them, but there are a number of things that could. A listener asked about the flamingos. 
there's flamingo fever in parts of Wisconsin. It was the first ever sighting of flamingos in the state. It was in Port Washington. Uh, while it may not ever be really clear how the birds got there, but the hypothesis put forth by wildlife biologists is of five flamingos, I believe there was three adults and two young ones, were pushed north in late August by the strong winds of Hurricane Adalia. And earlier this month, it was being credited uh, several times by wildlife biologists in newspaper articles and radio shows and things. So it's a flamingo palooza. So they... <laughs> They were spotted in Florida and uh, Alabama, South and North Carolina, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, Texas. I'm probably missing a few. I know the record had been near Cincinnati, which was by a far, by a significant margin, the farthest north record of this species. But now they've been seen in uh, Port Washington, Wisconsin, well, the- in a group. I was going to say, the only place I've ever seen flamingos is in a zoo, so I guess I just thought they didn't live around here. And They don't. Okay. And yeah, it'll be interesting. I haven't checked now to see if they're still around, if they're hanging there, so trying to figure out where the heck they are. A group of flamingos is called a flamboyance, of course. Oh, I just like think it. that's a, a great group name for a flamingos. Uh, Vicki Laroon sent me a picture of a Lapland longspur up on the North Shore, and we'll be seeing them here before too terribly long because it just, days go by too fast, that's why. Uh, Dale Waltz of Rochester saw an American Red Start and Sandhill Cranes. Chad Hines, uh, he does the Hawk Watch at Bethany and Land of Memories. This was from Saturday. We ended up with over 5,300 broadwings and over 100 sharp shins. That resulted in our highest single-day total in the history of the Bethany Hawk Watch. Not only did we set a new single-day record, we also pushed past 13,000 raptors for the fall, which is a new fall season record. We are still expecting significant migration numbers from turkey vultures, red-tailed hawks, and bald eagles. Most of the broadwing hawks leave Minnesota by the end of September. The bulk of the population, which is pouring through southern Texas on their way to Veracruz, Mexico, Panama, and ultimately the Amazonian rainforest. It's, uh, they uh, have their season total. It's now gone over 14,000 broadwings. Uh, yesterday they were surprised with the hot temperatures and south winds to find almost 1,500 more birds, mostly turkey vultures and broadwings. So they had kind of a kind of some slow periods in the hawk watch, but that's pretty much true every year because it's so weather dependent and birds will just sit down and wait it out like we wait in an airport just saying, boy, today's the day we're going to fly. They're not going to cancel flights today. So, um, Matt Hayes Matt works with in with a vineyard, and he has some insects, some hornets, he said, eating grapes. And he was wondering the identification of those, and he sent me some photos, lovely photos, Matt. The photos are of a bald-faced hornet, uh, which is actually a wasp. I know it's called a hornet, but it's a wasp. 
It's a uh, species of yellow jacket, like the yellow jackets that come to our picnics. It's a cousin. Bald-faced hornets build those large gray paper nests in trees. So they are, um, they love grapes. A lot of wasps do. Uh, Darwin Olson of Heartland asked, where multicolored lady beetles, Asian lady beetles, lay their eggs? Uh, They're laid on the underside of leaves of low-growing ornamentals, trees, roses, wheat, tobacco, soybeans, and other plants. Uh, Common buckthorn is our friend, the woody shrub or small tree. And it's the overwintering host plant of the soybean aphid, which lays eggs on buckthorn in the fall. The eggs overwinter and hatch in the spring. And when they're eating, eaten by multicolored Asian lady beetles and uh, the minute pirate bugs. So uh, buckthorn has uh, many things going against it that people don't like it. And one of the things that's hardly ever mentioned is that it's a host plant for uh, the eggs of these little soybean aphids that uh, nobody wants, I guess. So buckthorn is just, I don't, you know, it's got some things going. It's got some personality disorders, <laughs> I guess. In other words, did. get rid of it if you've got right. it because it's an invasive. It sure is. And it, is it pretty? I think it is. It's, I think it's a beautiful and it's hardy. But and that's, why they, that's why a number of years back they sold it as an ornamental at nursery. So you assume if you get it at a nursery, it must be good for your yard like another a bunch of other shrubs like the barberries and the, the um, beautiful burning bush. And those they're finding all of those are invasive now too. And so it's kind of disappointing if you've got them in your landscape and they're just um, wrecking the forest. Yeah, and there's so many plants that we have uh, dragged as humans over here and said, boy, this is such a beautiful plant. We're going to take it home and plant it. And little did we know that it would take off, or maybe it was somebody that was involved in the garden trade, so they brought it home and sold it to greenhouses and things. And, man, the next thing we know, we have all kinds of things, Purple loosestrife is another one. It's just, uh, it's bothersome, to put it kindly. And that's one that was sold commercially as well. And again, it's it's beautiful when you're canoeing down um, a river. You look over and you say, oh, isn't that pretty? And then you realize what it is. And it, it loses some of its beauty. So we don't like seeing it. I just got a text from somebody uh, saying uh, about the hornet wasp thing, saying, do we have hornets in Minnesota? I think all our, I'm pretty sure all our hornets are, well, I know this, all our hornets are wasps, but not all our wasps are hornets. So the, again, the ball face hornet, that's a wasp. And all species of true hornets are endemic to Eurasia and northern Africa. None are native to North America. The, the one we hear the most about is the murder hornet. Uh, the, now it's the northern giant hornet. It was formerly named the Asian giant hornet. And again, got that lovely nickname, the murder hornet. <clears throat> but we don't, uh, we don't have anything like that here. So no, we do not have hornets. Um, again, we have things that are called hornets, 
but they are wasps. So I, I hope we don't and we don't need any more hornets. We just we got loosestrife and buckthorn and <laughs> all these kind of things. We don't need anything more right now. You know, unless they'd come in and eat all the soybean aphids and loosestrife and buckthorn, maybe <laughs> maybe then it'd be worth a and, shot. And the Jap and the Japanese beetles oh, do that. Gosh, they could yeah, have. Oh, we those. didn't even mention that one. It, yeah, if it would maybe eat all of those and get rid of them, we might put up with the. If it had like a single bad habit, like bad breath or something, we'd <laughs> right. put up with that if it would get rid of all these other things. But, you know, that's not going to happen, sadly. I, talking about bald-faced hornets, our friend John in New Orleans said, bald-faced hornets can also build nests on a window like at my dad's house. So uh, apparently he's got some of his own. It, it'll just look oh, right, directly yeah. out the window. And then he says Oktoberfest is this weekend. I assume that's in New Orleans. So thanks, John. And Jennifer has a, a message for you here. Hello, ma'am. My five-year-old daughter, Lily, has a question for the bird guy today. Please ask him how many eggs blue jays lay and how long they take to hatch. We've been seeing several blue jays in our neighbor's yard. Thank you, Jennifer. Jennifer, it's great to hear from you. And I haven't checked today up at Hawk Ridge, but they get migrating uh, blue jays up there, and the last I heard, they had over seventy-five thousand blue jays that have migrated through Hawk Ridge. So those are all coming down here, and who knows where they're going to head? But we'll get to see probably more blue jays from time to time in her yard. The incubation time for blue jays is sixteen to eighteen days. And eggs, oh gosh, three to seven maybe. Probably four to five is the more common, but it'll vary a little bit from three to seven. They both, both the parents will incubate the eggs, so they do a nice job there. I guess it doesn't surprise uh, a lot of folks if I say the female does more of it than the male. And why is that? Well, I'm guessing she's probably a lot better at it than he is, you know. So he's he's probably, you know, he's got things to do. He's got to, you know, if you could hurry things up and everything. So she's probably a lot more, she's a lot more patient, I think, probably on that. And John, there is a celebration in New Alm, I swear, every single day. They got something going on over there at uh, Shells or Turner Hall or um, it's just a polka something or another. It's just <laughs> incredible how much stuff they have going on there. And it's all wonderful. It's just great stuff. And it just, it's, I don't know. People that live in New Orleans can't make all of it because there's just so much of it. But what a nice thing that they have so many things going on. Uh, I got another text from a different person on the uh, Hornet Wasp things. And it says, uh, do yellow jackets or bald-faced hornets reuse a nest? Um, nests of both species are abandoned and not reused. That said, you know, a yellow jackets can have a nest in a stump in your yard, a rotting stump, on one side. And then they'll quit that. The next year, they might be on the other side of that stump with a nest. So it seems like they're reusing the same nest, but they're not really... And then the bald-faced hornets have those gray football-shaped nests hanging in trees. They do not reuse those those paper nests. So, but they're they're pretty uh, pretty neat to see. And 
I don't think you can be a, a nature center in Minnesota unless you have a bald face hornet nest hanging from your ceiling somewhere in your building. I think that's, I think it must be some kind of state law in order to qualify as a nature center. You have to have one of those. And they are just really neat to see. And just think about that. They chew that up. They chew uh, like bark and things, and they chew it all up and they spit it out to make this. Uh, I just heard from another person, Karen said, I was on a Pelican Breeze boat with you when you pointed out cliff swallow nests on a highway bridge. Do any other birds use those nests? Uh, they're gourd-shaped structures. They're made of mud, and they have been used by house wrens, house sparrows, eastern bluebirds, oh gosh, house finches. If we get a ways west of here, I'm sure says Phoebes. Uh, get a, even farther away from here, chestnut-backed chickadees. All those things would use those, and they are really neat. And again, these are cliff swallows. And they are the swallows that return to Capistrano. I don't know that they do that anymore, but they are the ones that are famed for doing that. When I was a kid, I called them bridge swallows because they're usually on a bridge where their nests are. And they have a great community of these nests where they all nest side by side. So it's always neat to see them. A flock of swallows is called a swoop or a flight. Hmm. I think gulp would be a better collective term, but I, I don't have any say in that. But it's really neat to see them all. They're on the um, the I-35 bridge over Albert Lee Lake. Just has oodles of them, and it's uh, it's fun to see them. It has to make every insect in the neighborhood extremely nervous because you have all these little uh, swallow birds that are acrobatic flyers that can catch in the air, and they're all hungry. Uh, the last thing I had here, Karen, was what kind of a duck is called a butterball? Sounds like a turkey. They had it. it does sound like a turkey. It, it's the buffalo head, and the buffalo head name refers to the duck having a head like a buffalo, large and blocky. It's a tiny little duck, and it looks like it has a really big head. And other nicknames include, oh gosh, little black and white duck. I know, a oh, bumblebee duck, and then of course buffalo headed duck, little dipper, and spirit duck, and the buffalo head. It is so cute, folks. It could be the chickadee of ducks. It's just, you look at one, you say, oh, my goodness, that is the cutest thing I've ever seen. I don't know that I've ever seen a baby buffle head, but I, can, I can't even imagine how cute those would be. You'd, you'd spend the rest of your life just going, oh, <laughs> just thinking about those. Thanks, everybody, for sitting on the front porch with us. A late friend, Bill Bryson who was um, oh, just a, an Audubonner. He was a member of the state uh, parks, oh, was it Parks Commission back in those days? He was just a, a good guy, loved nature and loved pretty much everything in it. Well, he'd had an operation. So recovering from surgery, they gave him a cane. So he had to get out there, and he hadn't used a cane before. So, you know, you're a little unsteady after the surgery, and then you're probably even more so because you're trying to figure out how to drive a cane. And he had a hitch in his get-along, 
and his slow motion had brought the attention and the ire of a rooster. He, this feathered alarm clock had been looking for an opportunity to move up the pecking order. And it attacked Bill three times, just flew right. You've seen roosters fight. They just fly right at you. And the last time, Bill was, uh, I guess, teetering on the cane, and he knocked Bill over. Bill took a tumble while attempting to fend off this furious chicken. He was probably trying to swat it with the cane and then uh, just didn't have the cane for support, and over he went. And he said that the rooster went right after him, and he kind of had to wrestle it away and throw it out of there, and he had to fend off this furious chicken. It didn't end well for the rooster, who became the headliner at a Sunday dinner. And Bill said the meat was tough, but he'd (laughs) never enjoyed chicken so much. (laughs) The moral of the story is to be careful who you pick a fight with. (laughs) Thanks, everybody, for listening. Do something wild today. Get out there and look at a bird. I enjoyed your company very much. Thank you, Karen. It's always a treat visiting with you. Well, thank you, Al. We'll chat with you next week. Uh, have I hope you enjoy the cool weather coming up. I will. All right, bye-bye. Thanks. Bye-bye.